all the species of starfish crawling the ocean floor should really be known as false starfish or lesser starfish. Thankfully, no true starfish has ever visited our solar system. For the sake of all life on Earth, I hope they never do. Welcome to the Crypto Naturalist. listeners, or should I say ahoy, which is just the merfolk word for howdy. That's right, as you've probably guessed from this flawless pirate impression and the eye patch you can currently hear in my voice, today's episode takes us to the briny abyss. Folks, you just can't love the secrets of the wild without loving the sea. Why just think of it? From the surface, it's a vast, undulating plain stretching to the distant horizon. We can neither walk on its surface nor easily peer below the waves. To enter its depths unaided by human ingenuity is either the briefest of pilgrimages or a certain death sentence. To swim its alien waters is to voluntarily plummet many links down the food chain. Down in the dark, hungry waters from which all life sprang, we find that our strength is moot, our senses ill-adapted, and our bodies reduced to the efficacy of a flailing infant, as giant life forms many times older than our entire species prowl with a liquid grace that makes the flight of birds seem clumsy by comparison. Now, I expect that, at this point, many of you are picturing sharks, those obsidian-eyed PR darlings of the deadly deep. But... Let me just remind you that sharks are nothing but the tip of the fatality iceberg when it comes to the dangers of the oceans. How about the leopard seal? Did you know that there was a confirmed case of a fatal attack on a human by a leopard seal as recently as 2003? It's true. Leopard seals can grow to around 13 feet long, 1,300 pounds, and they have a mouth so packed full of sharp teeth that their skulls look like they would more properly belong to a predatory dinosaur than a modern mammal. Sharks are fine and all, but what about the great barracuda, killer whales, Humboldt squids, and the hundreds upon hundreds of venomous and or poisonous creatures that could kill you accidentally out of nothing but pure blind reflex? Meanwhile, we humans are nothing but knobby skin sacks, more likely to be killed by drowning or water pressure than by any of the living nightmares that glide effortlessly through the lethal waters that cover more than two-thirds of this great planet's surface. Yes, nowhere in known space contains more teeth than the oceans. And yet, the sublime natural wonder of the open water calls to the human imagination as sure as any forested mountainside or weekend trip to a floating sky desert. Wonder and danger go together like grits and peanut butter. So, friends, next time you think about working on your summer beach body, maybe give less thought to developing your six-pack abs and more thought to electrified, reinforced body armor. Lacking both six-pack abs and body armor, 
Today I found myself on an expedition to that ancient hub of American bravery and brutality, the Nantucket Whale Fishery. And, no listeners, I'm not talking about the artificial Nantucket that the locals maintain to distract casual tourists like Herman Melville. I'm talking about the real Nantucket, Lower Nantucket. That drifting island that roams New England waters and carries on its back a perpetual column of blue-black sea fog so dense that some sailors call it the Isle of Perpetual Midnight. Yes, off of the shifting sable shores of that errant island swims one of the rarest wonders of the abyss, the legendary teacup whale, a creature as colossal in mystique as it is diminutive in stature. I originally heard of the teacup whale from a companionable stranger and fellow traveler who helped me pry the parasitic, hubcap-sized gasoline ticks off of my Winnebago in a Walmart parking lot outside of Missoula, Montana. As we toiled together to rid my vehicle of the common highway pest, the stranger spun yarns of her time as a little girl, spending lightless summers on the bone-shard beaches of Lower Nantucket, and her encounter with the teacup whalers who risked their lives to harvest the whale's most valuable asset, a single bespoke song in which the listener can hear a melodic representation of their entire life in an explosion of sound that resonates through the body at the cellular level. The euphoria produced is said to be simultaneously spiritually terrifying and life-affirming. Speaking of things both terrifying and life-affirming, how about some poetry? It's time for today's Hidden Lore segment. Today's Hidden Lore comes in the form of two poems from Judith Skillman. Loop We walk pulpy leaves smeared into the ground by snowmelt. They resemble torn pages of newspaper shining white from dusk and the full moon. This trail pulls us deeper into the forest. We come to a wall of rocks piled by army engineers to keep the lake from flowing into houses set lower down in the event of a flood. The moon, the leaves, the news, the rocks I can no longer traverse. And as an anthill rises in the distance, I want that pile to seethe with war, red bodies pitted against black and receding light. I want to hear the echoed doubled sound waves reflected back from the wall of these elder years, spent foraging for sustenance on an old path near a lover's hammock. Scroll Ever unraveling, a fiddlehead fern, wood modeled, the femininity of a violin unplayed, no ripples boning the F-holes to song, only winter here in rooms above rooms. Lichen trees dot the grounds, where lonely men in their VR headsets stand on Everest, looking at sunset. These two poems make me picture time and solitude as dark, looming creatures that haunt the wild places like prowling jungle cats. The passage of time is an implacable thing, and if solitude isn't its lover, then they're at least drinking buddies. Next time you go for a stroll in the woods, pause for a moment and see if you can feel the breath of time or loneliness tickle the hairs on the back of your neck. Either way, you know they're there with you. 
Judith Skillman's recent book is Kafka's Shadow, Deerbrook Editions, 2017. She's the recipient of an Eric Matthew King Fund Award from the Academy of American Poets and Washington Trust Grant. Visit www.judithskillman.com or mosey on over to this episode's show notes for more information about her work. If you'd like to have a poem or short prose piece featured in the Hidden Lore section, visit cryptonaturalist.com about for more details. Now, folks, when I say whaling, I realize that some of you are picturing boats and lances and harpoons. Well, set those images aside. In terms of teacup whales, no boat could hope to spot the tiniest spout in the pitch-black waters surrounding Lower Nantucket, and good luck tossing a hunk of sharpened metal through the teacup whale's intense magnetic field. Nope, when it comes to this rarest of whales, a dive suit and a stroll through liquid darkness is required. And the goal isn't a mortal wound, but simple eye contact. Only locking eyes with the tiny behemoth will trigger its life-changing song. But finding one, as it hunts its eternal rival, the mythic pocket squid, is no simple matter. Men and women spend decades daring the cold, unforgiving deep for just one glimpse of the tiny leviathan. Still, I felt confident that I could get the job done on a single Friday afternoon in a narratively appropriate amount of time. It was a cold, dark, misty noon on Lower Nantucket as I met my contact Dale to collect my dive gear. He was a pale, stork-like man with milk-white irises and the weather-punished look of driftwood. The air was only fractionally drier than the sea, and the breeze smelled faintly of formaldehyde and sawdust. We stood next to where my Winnebago Cassandra was anchored off the rocky coast, and Dale walked me through the operations of my weighted dive suit, dive helmet, and the injection that would cause my face and hands to bioluminesce enough to see my surroundings beneath the waves. I thanked Dale, and he nodded to me, his neck creaking like an old screen door. I suited up and marched toward the water, trailing my air hose behind me. The eerie green glow of my face produced a round beam through the glass porthole of my helmet, and I swept it back and forth along the Boneshard Beach as I trudged into a choppy sea the color of tar. As I advanced and my head dipped below the surface... The calm, weightless stillness washed over me. I peered down the green tunnel of my vision entranced as I walked to the rhythm of my own thunderous breathing. Tiny fish, drawn to the light, darted in and out of my field of vision, hunted by larger fish that lurked on the margins of my sight as half-seen shapes, too fast and fleeting for certainty. A sea squatch lumbered across my path, its hulking frame trailing tendrils of seaweed, and its jaw locked open in an endless silent scream. A fun side note about sea squatches, many folks don't realize that the sea squatch and the sasquatch are actually the exact same species. A sea squatch is nothing more than a sasquatch that sought to end his long life by walking into the ocean. Funny thing is, sasquatches are immune to drowning, 
So they wander the seafloor, crying out their endless frustration and waiting for a death that refuses to arrive. Gentle, lovable, and doomed, I took the Sea Squatch as a good omen and continued my stroll into the crushing deep. I meandered on for exactly 47 minutes without seeing another living creature. I knew I was approaching the end of my tether and patience when I found what I was looking for. More than I was looking for, in fact. Hovering just at eye level, moving in the green glow of my countenance, was a double semicircle of teacup whales, two crescents, one above the other. There were at least two dozen of them present, which, by the estimate of some experts and Snapple cap prophecies, was likely the entirety of the species. The whales, which looked a lot like humpbacks the size of Boston Terriers, began fanning out laterally until I was enclosed in a perfect circle of cetacea. The creatures never changed their relative orientation in the water, always keeping their heads pointed my direction, and though they barely seemed to move their fins, they began whirling around me in ever-increasing speeds. The water around me began to churn in a vortex, and yet I felt no push or pull from the water. I thought that I had achieved eye contact several times, but no song filled my being with acoustic bliss. I don't know if this was because I didn't achieve true eye contact, or if there is something whopper-jawed about my soul in particular. Hard to say. The longer I stood there, the faster they whirled, until I had a snake's chance in a typing contest of picking out eyes in that blur of whale and water. I shook my head in pure wonderment and began to plan my egress. But before I could go, a single eye the size of a billboard opened ahead of me in the darkness and regarded me with, dare I say, a naturalist's curiosity. A moment later, hundreds of more peepers began to shine in the water like an alien constellation in a darkling sky. I reached up and tipped the oversized hat I was wearing on top of my diving helmet and then saluted my thousand-eyed undersea colleague. See, I know a crypto-naturalist when I see one. I ducked beneath the boiling gray blur of teacup whales that encircled me and scooted on out of that phantom vortex. I took my sweet time moseying back to shore, satisfied by the first beach vacation I'd taken in a dog's age. I returned my rented equipment to Dale, and his gills flared appreciatively at the story of my afternoon. Even now, as I record this, Cassandra is cutting through the waves on our way back to terra firma. Lower Nantucket is a magical place, even if I can't approve of whaling in any form. Friends, if you have to hunt something, hunt up a sense of awe at the majesty of our amazing planet. It can be elusive at times, but trust me, the prize is well worth the chase. As always, remember... We're all strange animals, so act like it. The Crypto Naturalist is written and read by Jared Anderson. To send questions, poems, or short prose pieces for the Hidden Lore segment, 
email cryptonaturalistpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Banish Misfortune, played by Andrew Collins. For more information about Andrew's music, visit andrewcollinstrio.com. The Crypto Naturalist is recorded in News Goblin Studios. Stay curious, stay wild, stay weird. Stay weird.